Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes Erin contradicts me right before we start the show, and then I get to do this because she doesn't have control over what I say during this little portion of the show, and I get to ruin things for her. So we've got a lot to talk about in the last two weeks. Namely, and importantly, AEW had a pay-per-view. Really? We're just going to be talking about the next, the past week, really? Yeah, actually, that's kind of... Last week was all the uh, lead and stuff to yeah, full gear. all the go-home shows are always like a little... Ugh. They're bringing all the stuff up to that dramatic climax that is the final match. Right. It's, it's, it's never as exciting. Because why why put it all on the line on Wednesday when you don't get paid till Saturday? Mm-hmm. To paraphrase from something that was said during the one thing we're going to talk about from last week, which is that Eddie Kingston and Mox in-ring segment. Oh, okay. Because that is one of my favorite in-ring segments that AEW has ever done. Yes. It was... So tense. It was tense. The cinematography... I mean, like it wasn't like massively impressive cinematography or anything like that, but they arranged the shots in that scene very, very well. The way that they had Mox in like all black and like hovering over his, sh- hovering over Eddie Kingston's shoulder, shouting every single fear that Eddie Kingston's ever had, every single insecurity and anxiety in his ear, like. Saying, these are all the things, I know all of the things you think about when you can't sleep. I know all of the things that make you feel like a failure. And I'm going to remind you of every single one of them. And if that isn't the most intense thing you have seen in ring, outside of like a match, that's the best in ring talking segment that they have done. Like they've done a lot of good stuff. That segment was above and beyond. This segment was as good as Cody's promo last year going into full gear. Which one was that? That was uh, his Silver Spoon promo with Chris Jericho. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, that was also very good. It, it's the same level of as good, but in the completely opposite tone. mm so, but yeah, no, like, I just love the way that they directed that scene with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, because it was, Eddie Kingston is one of the few guys out there who makes me want to believe this is real. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to believe him that he's being genuine out there, too. And, like, I think part of it is it is genuine. Like, there's no way that Eddie Kingston doesn't feel at least some of those things. You know, like, worried that he sold out for the wrong reasons. Worried that he's being given the chance for the wrong reasons. Yep. Did he 
is was wrestling even the right thing for him you know like what could his life have been if he hadn't gone into wrestling and devoted his whole life to the game yeah what all if those gone become a mechanic or something all those little things that like this could have gone different and i could have been a completely different person mm-hmm. was it worth it putting my body on the line day in day out for this this one shot after 18 years it's it was it was incredible and I just really appreciated that. So I went back and watched it, like, again, and then again. Yeah. And if you want to see good in-ring work, not even good, great in-ring work from both of them, that's it. Like, that's that's a... I, I think that's the best in-ring promo that has been done this year. I believe it. I can't think of anything that would be And to go on with what you're saying, Frank, I'm sure we can really agree with that whole examining your whole life if you did the right thing and what consequences have you made for that. Yeah. There's a lot of... I mean, like... So, one of the things that I did want to talk about was this theory that I have. If you're familiar... Alright, I'm going to posit something to you. Have you heard of the the term carcinization oh my freaking god yes does it um no because effie was outside of the ring when he said unlimited twinks <laughs> uh chat asks does unlimited twinks count as an in-ring promo and effie nope. was outside of the ring when he said that so no i know where you're going with this now <laughs> okay so i have this theory carcinization if you haven't heard of it or aren't familiar with it is the very odd phenomena in which nature has evolved different crustaceans into the form of crab on five separate occasions Mm -hmm. so like things that aren't crabs become crab over time Mm -hmm. and it's very fascinating to like think about how crab might be the ideal form at least on this planet, yeah. At least at least underwater. I think of both bar they kick our asses too. But they can't grow to because of gravity, they can't grow big enough to be that threatening. I guess coconut crabs are pretty Give big. Give them enough time. They'll figure it out. Either way. My theory is that just like as crustaceans evolve and convergently evolve into crab. Everything that we do is on a convergent path to becoming wrestling. It's the wrestleization or the kayfabization of everything that we do. Eventually, on a long enough time scale, the art that we make will become wrestling. Now, is that more to do with how art evolves or how wrestling is able to take inspiration from literally everything? Neither. It's got everything to do with the fact that wrestling is a reflection of the human condition in its purest form. Including the fact that, if you think about it, right? Like, in your day-to-day, in the persona that you present to the world, you are presenting a kayfabe version of Eren. I present a kayfabe version of myself. Certain, yeah, like... The, the, this comes back to the idea that, like, you know, there's the 
the kayfabe decent person who, you know, gives to charity, does, you know, nice things for people, blah, 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 turns around and votes for Trump. You have a kayfabe persona of a nice person, but you're actually kind of a cunt. Everything is kayfabe. Every interpersonal interaction has some layer of kayfabe to it. Because everything is wrestling, and we are all our own personas. Change your name! Anyway, we have wrestling to talk about. <laughs> anyway. From... Oh, right, this all stems from my theory of wrestlization. Okay. Which is to say that at the end of the day, as things, you know, we, we, we stretch things out on a long enough time scale. Your Twitter is your kayfabe persona, you know? You decide what thoughts go on Twitter. You decide what pictures go on Twitter. You decide how you want to present yourself. Social media is just wrestling without the contact. I can't say you're wrong, and that kind of annoys me. <laughs> I know. That's why it's great that this theory works, because everything is kayfabe. I hate this so much. <laughs> the person you are at work is a kayfabe version of you. Kayfabe, the kayfabe version of me doesn't hate capitalism as openly. Mine does. I'm... <laughs> Yeah, I have to be careful because, you know, I live in an employment at will state, which means they could fire me for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, everything is kayfabe, nothing is real. Wrestling is fake because life is fake. And the parts of wrestling that are real are the same parts of life that are real. <laughs> wrestling is more than just the actual grappling. Wrestling so, is... From the chat, Brad was saying... So you're saying social media is like wrestling, but without the actual wrestling portion of it, stares into the middle distance. Right. Because wrestling isn't just grappling. If it was just grappling, then it'd be like, you know, all of the best judoka would become wrestlers. But it's more than that. It's how you present yourself. It's what kind, you know, what kind of moves you use, what kind of things you do that make you either a face or a heel. I still haven't figured out how to apply face and heel to, like, your internet personality versus I your... mean, it would be more like an indie interpretation of face and heel. Right. Where it's up to the viewer to determine how they relate to the presenter. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that. That's... These are good thoughts. Neither of us are high enough for this. I'm not high <laughs> at... I want to clarify, this is the first time... In a long time that I am doing marking out completely stone cold sober. This is just me. I'm just this weird. They have to deal with this all the time. Yeah, we do. If anything, it gets a little better when I'm high because I usually just zone out. I mean, that at least gives you time to get your thoughts in order. <laughs> Take a drink for the working manhausen. I don't actually have any liquids with me other than this lime juice. Why don't you have water with you? Because I drank it all. We record for two hours. Have some water. Or lime juice. Mm -hmm. Just have the lime juice. I could also do uh, chipotle hot sauce. No. Chipotle it's... hot sauce is actually super mild. It's more it like really is, yeah. a flavor sauce than a hot sauce. Well, that's how I use it usually. Anyway. Anyway, back to what we were talking about with wrestling. Yes. That very confusing rant is 
my theory of wrestlization. Everything will become crab. Everything will become the Boston crab at some point. Boston crab is now the most dangerous hold in wrestling. Gotcha. Okay, full gear. Before anything else. Yes. <laughs> so at full gear, our buy-in match, which like really honestly kind of set a very strong tone for the whole show. Yep. Like, normally we're a little like, oh yeah, the buy-in was pretty good, blah, 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 blah. This was very good. I was particularly invested because the match was Serena Deeb, who is the NWA Women's Champion now, taking on Allison Kay, who used to wrestle local to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think she was going to win, but I was kind of hoping against hope. No, especially because Serena Deeb just picked up the title off of Thunder Rosa. Exactly. But... I mean, like, it was a fun match. It was a well-executed match. Mm -hmm. It was the exactly the kind of match I want starting off a full pay-per-view. And to put Allison Kay in a bunch of people's faces. Mm -hmm. It worked really well. It fit exactly what they needed it to fit. Mm -hmm. And it was just genuinely a good way to start the show. Um, so Serena Deeb does retain yes through submission and then very excitingly thunder rosa comes out and has a face-off with serena deeb staking her claim for a rematch Mm-hmm. and it was like you know there's rumors about thunder rosa going to a bigger promotion than nwa whether She's that's also running her own promotion yes mission pro yep now whether she goes to WWE or becomes a regular part of the AEW roster remains to be seen. She has explicitly stated that she won't go anywhere that won't allow her to keep running Mission Pro. Yes. So we'll see what that means. <laughs> it, it means maybe she does a uh, gallows and just runs it behind WWE's back. Or WWE also buys Mission Pro. Ugh. Like, insofar Ugh. as they buy the WWE Network distribution rights. Yeah. They've been doing that with a lot of indies. Yeah, because they picked up a lot beforehand, and they just kind of moved them over now. Because mm -hmm. got to do something with them. Yeah. Can't just put them on reserve forever, like they had with everything else. WWE. Anyway. So, yeah, no, this is... It's exciting. I'm looking forward to the next match, the, the, uh, the championship rematch between Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. Uh, probably have to watch NWA Power for that, and... More than likely, yeah. I don't mind doing that. No, oh, NWA actually has a pretty good show. I like their setup. I like the feel of what they do with the smaller crowd. I like... Make, make it all a single studio shot. Mm hmm I like that they have a very good women's division. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it's feel big. like as much of an afterthought. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a... Yeah. That is a serious critique against AEW, and I agree completely. I mean, okay, let's let's talk about the card. Okay. For Full Gear, we had two championship matches for women's wrestling. One was yeah. a different promotions championship match. The other was the AEW championship match. Those were all the women on the card. I am honestly relieved they put the AEW Women's Championship on the actual card. I, <laughs> yes. It's, they need to figure out 
something to do with their women. Because right Not now... Not just ten minutes every two weeks. Whatever it is, I don't think this is it. No. I mean, like, they're signing new women pretty frequently. Like, we recently got um, Ty Conte. Yep. And... Just there. this past week, there was another one mm -hmm. in Jade Cahill? She was the know. one who Brandy yelled at. Yeah. I hadn't seen her before Wednesday night, so I, I'm sorry if I got her name wrong. <laughs> I'm going to really try. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that as we get yeah. to that segment. But yeah, no, so, like, it's a little weird to have the women's division be so much of an afterthought. Yeah. But it is what it is. I still think intergender wrestling would make AEW be a lot better. A lot more relevant. Yes. It's not like these women don't train with the guys. It's not like they don't take bumps with the guys. It's not like they don't take bumps from the guys. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why they can't have intergender wrestling. And a lot of them, like a lot of the North American ones that they have at least, have had matches together. Mm-hmm. Like, John Silver and... Chris Statlander have put together incredible matches. Yep. Is that the one you're going to pull? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I love their match. Like, oh, yeah. Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy have had a couple of matches together for the IWTV Independent Wrestling Championship. Yep. Uh, Lufisto mm -hmm. is a prominent figurehead in intergender wrestling and work with so many of the women in AEW. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys in AEW. I'm trying to think also, of, like... just sign Lufisto already. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> if you can put Marco Stunt in a match with Wardlow, yeah. you could put a woman in a match with Wardlow. And it would be more competitive. So anyway, our first match on the card that wasn't a buy-in match was... Kenny Omega against Hangman Adam Page. Opening the show. Opening the show. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I, I'm I still in a little bit of disbelief that they actually opened with this. Like, I know Kenny opened a lot of Dynamites for that first year they were doing them. Mm -hmm. But it's like, this is a pay-per-view for a pretty big story match you two are going into. And you're going to open it. I mean, that's... Okay. It worked. It, I, I just... I guess where else does it go in the card is the question. Yeah. And it worked well as an opener because it had, I think, everyone watching it pretty wrapped. Pretty intently. This was a brutal match. This was a lot more of Hangman style in there with a lot of striking. Uh, Kenny walked away with bruises. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the... The lower third listed Hangman as focused yeehaw man. And he was. <laughs> it was, you know, like, it was a really, really good match. Oh, yeah. It it was definitely a match between two people who really understand each other mm -hmm. in the ring and can work around and build that, that tension that you need for the big payoff. Now, it didn't go as long as a lot of people thought it would. It didn't need to. Yeah, I mean, a lot like, of people thought this was going to be like a 30, 45 minute epic. It's like, no, this is the start of this storyline. Right. I mean, like, it's not the start of the storyline, but okay. like, okay, so like. We're not far into it. No. So, like, if this storyline is a trilogy, them losing the belts to FTR. 
is end of book one. Yes. This is like the start of book two. This is the two towers. Yes. I didn't want to make it Lord of the Rings, but it is Lord of the I'm Rings. I'm going to drag you into it. Don't worry. So at what point do Hangman and Kenny Omega have to fight a giant spider? It's at the and end of book two. So I assume they get trapped in Shelob's lair by... It'll probably be around uh, Fighter Fest next year. Okay. Is Peter Avalon Gollum? Sure. <laughs> I regret this already. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Oh, God. Anyway, what I was gonna say is, yeah, a lot of people expected like a 30 or 45 minute match out of this, and it's like, no, you're, it was 15, 16 minutes. 16, 16, exactly. Yeah, and Hangman lost by a mistake. Mm-hmm. He was up for the one-winged angel, and his head went too low, got caught, thrown over. It didn't even it need that to, quick. like, his head went too low, and he didn't even need to get caught. Kenny just used his momentum while he was trying to avoid it. Yep, so, yeah, that that's where we are right now. Because Hangman has other battles to, to win still. Right. I think they're doing something similar with Eddie Kingston as to what they're doing with Hangman, which is this idea that both of them have to get to their lowest point mm-hmm. before they can succeed. They have to yeah. hit that darkest place in their careers, so to speak. Obviously, kayfabe, everything's kayfabe. Everything's fake, nothing's real. Of course. So they get this build, right? Like, it's the roller coaster. They're built up, built up, built up, but then they have to plummet, and when they hit the bottom of that plummet, they can come up into a loop-de-loop and fucking just amaze everyone. So we're still waiting for that. We're still in that stomach-up-in-your-throat kind of drop before we black out because there's three loop-de-loops in a row. Yeah, I am a little bit worried where how much lower Paige's character could go in this. Because this time last year was like a super low point for him. And that's when I actually got a little bit worried about the storyline. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like it's probably worth noting that like this they kinda had to do a story reset on Hangman too. Yes. Yeah. Because he reasonably didn't want to wrestle at the beginning of lockdown. I get that. So he was away for a couple of months, and they did have to do a little bit of a story reset. So he kind of, yeah, like, they, flatlined a little bit after uh, Revolution. They kept it going as much as they could on, like, the BTE. But, yeah, it, it's not the same as having it weekly on the big show. But, you know, like, it still has been working. No, I'm definitely interested to see this. I still hold out that it's going to be Kenny and Mox for the title. And then Kenny's going to win that and hold it for, I'd say, probably a year before Paige takes it off him. I mean, that is what I think is going to happen, too. Yeah. I have to admit, I've never been leave my phone in a Smash Pumpkin drunk before. <laughs> Neither have I. That you remember. But... <laughs> I've been, oh my god, where are my clothes? Why is my light still on? How did I get into bed drunk before? Yeah, I've done that. So I, I relate I've to been... Hangman. I, I've been on the bathroom floor at 3 in the morning and coming back to a chat log of screaming about dysphoria. That's a rough one, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a catalyst. That one. Sometimes you need to have those, uh, you know, light switch moments. It's, sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom before you start climbing back up. Right. It's, like in wrestling. Like in wrestling, because <laughs> everything is wrestling. I hate proving this. <laughs> I, yeah, I know you do, because it's real. Um, what what other stuff am I gonna th- like thinking just like a little bit more about this? Um, it's kind of like that. It's like your planeswalker spark igniting. Yeah. Right. You have to have that moment that ignites your spark, and then you can start traveling between genders. <laughs> or um. You know, being an immortal in Highlander, you've got to be killed before you become an immortal. Right. And then you can't lose your head. <laughs> there can only be one. Anyway. These action movies. So, yeah, no, this match was gripping. It was heartbreaking. It was... It was so rewatchable. Yeah. We rewatched it last night, actually. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, Hangman trying for the one-winged angel was also a big moment in this match that I really enjoyed. Because we know he can hit it, and we know that the move itself can't be kicked out of. Right. Now, my question is, why why don't people just lean back and head scissors when they're up in that position? Into a poison rana? Yeah. Because Kenny Omega. Because he's got those tree trunks for legs? Yeah, no, he, he he's the final boss of wrestling, so you can't just, like, counter his moves. Right. And sometimes, as with a lot of final bosses, there are fights that you're supposed to lose. Have you ever gone, to, gone into an RPG fight and be like, oh, this is one of those ones I'm supposed to lose. There's no way I'm supposed to win this one. And, and then, then it's not. It's not, and you have to be like, oh, God, I need to level up for six years. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because I've had that happen multiple times in Tales of Games. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, watch that match if you can. Find it on YouTube. I'm sure there's some sort of less than scrupulously legal stream. You can check it out there. Don't tell I, them I told you. I would honestly just picking up the replay on like Fight TV because the whole card is amazing. Yeah, actually. It's worth being able to find anytime you want in the highest qu- quality available. Oh, now <laughs> Brad in chat says, now I'm picturing your son of a bitch <laughs> from within the head scissors in that very Kenny Omega way and laughing. <laughs> you son of a bitch, you've got to really hurt him. <laughs> you son uh, of a bitch. Honestly, that sounds like something like Jungle Boy would do. Mm. Where he'd go for the poison run and Kenny would block it and pull him back up. <laughs> Kenny's moist talking is very funny. He's definitely a baseball fan. He's definitely a Canadian. <laughs> okay, moving on with the card into Orange Cassidy and John Silver, who we've seen a lot through like Beyond and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a match that's happened a few times, mm-hmm. and it's a fun match. And knowing that, I went into this with like a high expectation of what to get out of it, and it was higher than that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a very f- like it's a very fun match. It, we got to show. So my prediction going into this match was that the lesson Orange Cassidy would have learned after losing his shot at the title was trying doesn't really work. I should go back to not trying. Yeah. But that wasn't what they did with this match. No. There were some very fun spots in this match, too. It was genuinely a joy. Um, So one of the highlights of the card, like in general, 
was Silver ripping out Orange Cassidy's pockets. Yeah. So that he couldn't stick his hands in his pockets anymore. Yep. It's a strategy. Yeah. No, it was a very... It, it worked. You know, and if you go back to that uh, Orange Cassidy versus Psycho Mike video I posted a mm-hmm. little while ago, you know that those pockets are dangerous if you try to get into them. So it, it was a risk for him to do that. Yeah, no, it was... I'm going to be honest. Silver is probably my favorite member of the Dark Order because of how over he's gotten himself on BTE. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's definitely found a niche for himself to shine through. Yes, because he's very funny. And the the whole the whole Dark Order thing with their just blatant homoeroticism <laughs> is wonderful and hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing that like makes it good is that like they're not like they're they're embracing the whole we're in a gay sex cult yes they're not really said it but they're not like making it so you know it 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 doesn't feel like it's like they're making it's not like gay panic or anything like that you know it's like everyone knows what's going on everyone's (laughs) willingly a part of it everyone's having a great time touching each other's butts as was seen on BT this week. Oh my god, Ten grabbed a handful and then some. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Taco. Here to interrupt the recording. Always. That's what he does. Taco, could you please stop? Hey, honey. Taco. Please stop. Thank you. He got there after I said, please stop. Yep. I just had to get his attention. Your uh, cat is weird and listens. I know, I love him. Um, anyway, so yeah, no, Silver versus Orange Cassidy was fun. It, like, for what was the lower stakes match of the card, mm-hmm. it kept the energy going really nicely. Yeah, this was the perfect follow-up to Hangman and Omega. Mm-hmm. And, like, a perfect lead-in, too, because our next match was the TNT champion Cody Rhodes versus the challenger Darby Allen. Yeah, now, I had said... Going into this, I really thought this was going to be Darby's time to really get that that push that they've been kind of like teasing with him mm-hmm. with all these matches with Cody where he just loses something at the end. We're going to get to see Taco. I gotcha. There's the boy. <laughs> Say hi to everyone. What you gonna do when Taco Media runs wild on you? Okay. Oh goodness. So yeah, we got got into this one, and it was a similar deal of what we've expected from Cody and Darby facing off, where mm-hmm. Cody kicks his ass for like a long time. It's like fifteen minutes of just Cody doing whatever he wants, and then showboating his way into a loss. Finally, yes, it, finally Cody's cockiness catches up with him, mm-hmm. and. Darby's whole never give up, never die thing is what wins the match. Yep. Now, after the match, it's a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like The match is great. Go watch it. It is a wonderful wrestling competition put on screen. Like, uh, on a star rating, I'd give it like a four and a half. Is that what... Oh, Meltzer gave it 4.25. I was close. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've got, I've got the star ratings right here. I can check that. <laughs> But afterwards is Cody gets the title 
hands it over, like very physical sim- symbolism of passing the torch. Right. He he like genuflects and holds it up like it's some sort of sacred grail or yeah, holy relic of some long dead saint. It's like the the belt of Saint TK. Saint D&D. And then they get jumped by Team Taz. Saint Ted Turner. God. <laughs> but yeah, no, they get they get jumped by Team Taz. Will Hobbs comes out and saves Darby because Will Hobbs is a beefy boy. Who needs more screen time? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know they're going to do that thing with Mox, Hobbs, and Darby that got kind of nixed on the COVID stuff, which is unfortunate. They, they need to find another spot for Hobbs to really yeah, get his uh, I'd like to. I'd still like to see that match. I think there's a chance that we still get to see that match, just maybe not with Mox, but instead with Cody. Exactly, yeah. That's what it seems to be leading up to. At least, even just a one-off, you know? Mm-hmm. Give him some time to shine. Speaking of time to shine, <laughs> someone's about to knock a bunch of stuff over. Yep. <laughs> he needs food, apparently. Okay, go get him food. Okay, come on. Or throw I'll the go. mid-roll in here or something. Okay. Why don't we head over to the mid-roll and find out? Mid-roll, mid-roll. Everybody's talking about the mid-roll. Mid-roll, mid-roll. It is really gay. Listen up, nerds. Marking out with my girlfriend, the best wrestling and or tangent podcast on the internet, has a new affiliate. That's right. We're now affiliated with Independent Wrestling TV. And let me tell you, we clawed our way up to this deal. We earned it. Blood, sweat, and tears. And guess what? They are stuck with us. If you visit iwtv.live slash go slash so says media and enter code so says media, you get five days of all the best independent wrestling for free. After that, it's only $10 a month to watch live events and the entire back catalog. By using our promo code so says media, you get all that free trial to watch our favorites like GCW, ICW No Holds Barred, and H2O. Or something not hardcore, like Beyond, Pure J, and Black Label Pro. Now go watch some wrestling, dweeb, because we're not going anywhere until you do. Okay, this is a complete tangent. I just remember that I did want to say this before we started the show, but whatever. It'll be in the VOD regardless. If you're a So Says Media patron, I bought these very fancy thank you cards and i would love to send them to you i will handwrite a note in there for you i apologize in advance for my writing but just update your address in patreon so we can get that out to you that would mean a lot because i do want to thank each and every one of you individually i promise i won't say the same thing in each letter you can compare and contrast if you want to be sure get your friends to sign up too and Mm -hmm. then you can really check (laughs) okay aaron (laughs) Are we back? We're back. We're back. And better than ever. Taco has food. <laughs> so he'll stop being a little butt. Yes. I got myself some water. Oh, good. So I'll be more hydrated. And you're back just in time for Hikaru Shida versus Nala Rose. Oh, yes. Yes. So... For a lot of people, I've been hearing that this was, like, the low point of the show. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Compared to the other matches on the card, 
yeah, this might not have as much hype built behind it. And the two wrestlers involved in it might not have as much following as some of the other ones. But being the low point of this show is not a downside. No. It was... Okay, so the problem is that this match, because of the way that AEW handles their women's division, felt very slapdash in terms of, like, booking. It was literally thrown together the Wednesday before. I, I know. That's... I, 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 it, like... There it's... was a challenge made on Dark, where Nyla refused to do any more matches until she got a title shot. Yeah, if you book your title matches through your YouTube show, you, you can kind of not yeah. expect people to really, like... It's hard to care. It's hard, well, because not everyone's going to watch AEW Dark. Not, yeah, you know, Even I don't watch all of it, so... Especially when it's a fucking hour and a half program. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like, as as matches go, it was good. Yes, it was. But it just, it, the build was not. Yeah. It, it wasn't as hard hitting as their first match because it wasn't a no DQ match for one thing. Mm -hmm. So it was a straight up wrestling match. But yeah, no, it was still very hard hitting, very paced very well. Like you knew when Nyla was in control, you knew when Cheetah took over. It was a good oh. match. Like, I, I won't say bad things about the match. I will say bad things about the way AEW books their women. When Sheeta pulled Nyla up from a pin. Oh my, my jaw, god. My jaw ah. actually dropped. Okay, <laughs> like, so. What? what is she so doing? Nyla did the, I want to pull you up from the pin because I'm cocky and I can do this. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's the thing Nyla does, and it's to be expected. He's a heel, that's what you do. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Mm -hmm. I get excited every single time. When Sheeta does it, it's like, what? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you're doing, like, three more knees. Okay. That was incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, Sheeta did uh, defend her title on this one. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, there was a encounter between Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose in the ring. Nyla yelled at, or Vicky yelled at Nyla. Nyla took Vicky out, which you know, great. I'm, I love Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are few people in wrestling who are quite as easy to to hate. Like, she opens her mouth and gets so much hate. <laughs> it's great. And, like, okay, so, like, there are characters in stories where, like, the actor or actress portraying them, or actrix, don't just say actor, they're all actors, whatever. Yeah. So the actor portraying the character portrays them so deeply believably that, like, you actually kind of hate the actor, too. Now... When you get into that point, it's very easy to get over into go-away heat. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I just don't want to see you on the screen anymore. As opposed to, I want to see you get your ass kicked on this screen. Right. Now, I, I know for a fact that Wheelchair Vicky had a lot of go-away heat. Yes. They pushed it a bit too far. They've been doing the right amount of shrill screaming. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think of like examples where the character is so eminently hateable. Oh, it's that like it, it it's reflects originally on the actor. X-Pac heat because Sean Waltman would get it because no one because it was thought that no one wanted to see him. But Sean Waltman's actually really good. I see. I, so it's I, not I've fair to call it that. Oh, I I was thinking more along the lines of like, um, Louise Fletcher as Nurse Ratchet in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm. where you just viscerally hate that woman. MJF right after Cody your last year. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's just like it's it's one of those things that like when you have that kind of like deep and abiding hatred for a character, it's so rare and so wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. Like kudos to the performer for being able to get to that point. Vicky is one of those people who has yeah. been at that consistently and for a very long time, and it shows that she's incredibly talented at it. Like. I mean, that said, I think there's a little bit of nostalgia to her whole act now, where, a like, people people enjoy it. Where people look back at what they thought of it beforehand and see that <laughs> they can actually appreciate it now because we're not dumb kids anymore right. with WWE misogyny. Of WWE misogyny and a belief that Anything in life is real. Yeah. Uh, welcome producer Aitsu, who is definitely not late because of work in Desert Bus. I believe that. I'm pretty sure they've been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've just been lurking. It's understandable. Um, no, now, so... At the end of that segment of the ring, Vicky did slap Nyla. Mm-hmm. And everyone just kind of like held their breath like, she's going to punch her, right? This is Nyla Rose, the native beast. And then she followed her out. <laughs> that is an interesting character mm-hmm. between Vicky and Nyla. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see that more. I, I want to see this explored. I like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's really, really interesting. And like, it, you know, it, it, to a point, Conflict with your manager is a good way to build a storyline without having to have other wrestlers to build the storyline off of. Mm-hmm. And, like, that'll be good for Nyla. That'll be good for Vicky. It'll work out really well for them both. Yeah. They'll be able to play off each other a lot there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, this is just another thing about AEW that I do like, and it. You know, like, I have a lot of things that I could say about AEW that I don't like. But the one thing that they do really well is how they work veterans with newer performers. Yeah. How, like, you could have, like, you know, these guys who've been at it forever working with, you know, people who haven't. And kind of giving them boosts up showing them, like, helping them, building that next generation in a way that you don't really see at certain other companies. Yeah, it's not venerating the the, the veterans in a way that stifles 
the rest of the card. Right. It's not booking certain performers at main events years on end. After they finish wrestling. <laughs> it's not beating a dead horse that happens to be a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, God. We're kind of punchy this week. Again, completely sober. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and we came in just a little bit angry, which we'll get to later. Yeah, no, the, uh, okay, so I think producer Aitsu has put it most succinctly in saying they understand the strengths of their employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're not booking Chris Jericho like he's in, you know, he's in his 30s and or like in his 20s and at his peak. No, they booked Jericho as a coward who would put anything and everything in the way of whoever his next challenger was. Mm -hmm. They had another example. I just forgot it. Yep, I just forgot it. <laughs> I mean, they they... The few times they've used Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Express doesn't show up and win the titles. Right. They show up for, like... Or, like, eh, maybe something a little less dramatic than that um, is how they've been using Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Yes. Very much in the mentorship roles. Right. Same with Vicky Guerrero. And, like, you know the weird tag team combinations where it's like a veteran and a younger performer. Yeah. Or going on The Rock's Iron Man competition show with <laughs> Billy Gunn and Dasha Gonzalez. <laughs> that is the one that stands out as not falling within that mold is Billy Gunn because it seems more often than not he's the one getting all the shine and the wins for the gum club. Yeah, the gum... Poor, poor Austin. His job is literally just to hold Cheetah's jacket. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good jacket. It's a good jacket. But boy, does Austin Gunn gives off a very particular energy that says, <laughs> yes, mistress. No, mistress. I'm sorry, mistress. Please, mistress, <laughs> may I have God. another? God damn it, cat. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but Thank you have you. to say it out loud. Yes, because I'm right. <laughs> uh, yes, because Austin did get I'm the pinfall right. in the last match. Which was, it was very nice to see, I will admit. Yeah. He's, okay, credit to Austin Gunn. As much as I do make jokes about him being... You don't need to be horny from a podcast. Okay, I know some of the podcasts you listen to. You don't have to be horny from my podcast. I am innocent. I'm not. And it's as much my podcast as it is yours. Okay, fair. <laughs> so anyway, credit to Austin Gunn. He has been instrumental in building hype during matches because yes. he's so loud at the side of the ring and it's like it's something that I genuinely actually do appreciate. Yeah, no, he's been such a benefit to the pandemic era. 
Absolutely. Having him around has meant that, like... It, it sounds like there's more people in that audience than there is. Yes, because Austin Gunn is very loud. He's and hype. <laughs> he's very hype. Like, the amount of hype he gets about, like, just, like, little matches and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> he, he puts things over in a really, really fun way by just being excited about wrestling, and that's great. Yeah, that's what you want. Even if he does give off subby energy. <laughs> Am I wrong? You're not wrong. But anyway... So anyway, our next match on the card, because there's four more matches on the card... We've been at this for an hour and ten minutes. We've been at this for an hour. So next we had the Young Bucks with their shot at Tag Team Gold against FTR. With the stipulation that if the Bucks lose, they can never challenge for the AEW Tag Team Championship again. Which they made a joke about yeah. by having TNT Tag Team titles mocked up as like 3D renders. With the... With the... Uh, the... Uh, entanglements and everything on them mm-hmm. for, for the book specifically it was very funny that one was hilarious i laughed a lot at that one <laughs> making fun of cody which deservedly so still think we should make fun of him for that fucking neck tattoo you know he wants to run in politics he's gonna get a lot of made fun of for that neck tattoo <laughs> oh speaking of which we didn't talk about this during cody's match versus darby allen Apparently, the Nightmare Family also includes Lee Johnson and the Gum Club now. Apparently. They just kind of come out with them in there. There are two Aitsus here. Oh, God. Which one's real? They're both real. I can confirm. False. Nothing is real. We've already gone over this. Everything is kayfabe. I'm done. (laughs) It's going to take my head posedly. Okay. Bucks FTR. This was the match five years in the making. The match that really FTR used as their get out of WWE card. Mm -hmm. And it was a great match. Like, it went exactly how you thought it would. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tali was barred from from ringside, so you didn't get any of the bullshit. And they worked on Matt a lot because he had the injured leg from a couple weeks ago. Right. It was also kind of fun. They The Bucks came out in Lakers colors. Yep. FTR came out in Celtics colors. <laughs> which is like a fun little nod to the history and rivalry that those two teams have had. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I liked it. So yeah, no, it worked. It, it worked really well. Yeah. It was a great match. It ran almost half an hour. And... It ended when uh, Cash Wheeler decided, uh, I'm going to try a flip. Yeah. I know we say no flips, only fists. And, you know, that's worked so well so far. So let's try a flip and see. You know, what? what's the worst that could happen? Now, he did do a 450 off of uh, springboarding off the rope, which is impressive. When you hit it and you don't ruin my streak of predicting the pay-per-view. Yeah. I took that one a little bit personally. Um, so I 
there's a lot I appreciated about this match. Like the fact that um the young bucks were using like Hardy moves and Dudley moves. Yep. And then you had FTR doing like Steiner Bulldogs. Yeah, it was like if you paid attention to tag team wrestling over the past thirty years, there's a chance you you noticed a little call out there. The oh one... yeah, no, the heart attack. That was yeah, the big was... one that that Aaron got excited like first, about. That one. The first one I noticed was when they did a heart attack on to Matt, mm-hmm. and I I marked out a lot for that because yep, I, I'm a big Heart Foundation fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always was. I wonder why. It's because I'm Canadian. We're Is from Bizarro it? Land. <laughs> Inverse America. Yeah. I mean, have I ever told you about the Attitude Era in Canada? No. When, when the Heart Foundation was like the top heel faction, mm-hmm. they did less shows in Canada because when they came up here. We would cheer the Heart Foundation mm-hmm. and boo everyone else, mm-hmm. which completely screwed with everything they would have thought. Mm-hmm. Like, no, those are our guys. <laughs> they may be assholes, but they're our assholes. Yeah. Because half the thing between Brett and Sean, and a little bit Brett and Austin, was America versus Canada. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it was it was referred to as Bizarro Land a lot of times on TV. <laughs> so yeah, no, this was a this was a fine match. It was a very fun match to watch. FTR's style is a little slower. Yes, they are very much like like Sean Spears, like Randy Orton, in that they have a more traditional style that they do exceedingly well, but it's not that exciting to watch in comparison to a lot of other people. And like also, I'm gonna be honest, the never challenge again stipulation gave yeah. the ending away for me. Like it kinda ruined Yeah the match a little bit. It it wasn't like Cody where it's like, well, he could actually do that to himself. Also, it felt like the that FTR gave up the titles way too quickly. It, like they had what a month, two months, not a whole lot of defenses. Yeah, between September and November. Yeah, it it was a very short reign. I'm not too happy to see that, but you know, if I mean, you do for whatever else they want to do. That's cool. You do have to mix things up with like length of title reigns and stuff like <clears> that. <throat> but yeah, like it was a wonderful match, but it what could it. This match had the problem of being too big for what anyone could deliver. Yeah. Five years of hype is a lot, regardless what you're doing. It had the same problem as Styles Nakamura at WrestleMania. Yes. It was a match that had been built up for so long, and a match that, like everyone had their dream booking for. Mm-hmm. Well, if... This has been theory crafted for years now mm-hmm. of how they would get there, what it would be for, what stipulations there would be. and that's... So like, when you've had that long to ponder over it, you're not going to be as happy when it plays out regardless. Right. It, it's, it suffered for... It's, it's a, 
it's a match that suffered from being too big for itself. And yeah. it's just something that, you know, at the end of the day, no one was going to be able to, no one can deliver on those matches. It's almost like you have to leave those matches and not have them. Yeah. Because otherwise, it'll disappoint someone. It'll be disappointing to a few people. But, like, I mean, this was still a very, very tremendously good match. Yeah, it's like, at that point, as long as the people involved in it came out happy and saw their vision pulled out, that's the important thing at that point. Right. So, and the rest of us can just make do with what's there and not impose ourselves on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it worked well. After that, we cut away to the Hardy compound. Or Matt Hardy The elite on... deletion! With Sammy Guevara in a golf cart. A golf cart that did say Spanish God on it. Yes, it um, did. This was a fucking wild match, though, eh? This... This was a thing. It was so fun. I there loved was a, it. There was a monster truck. There was a ring. There was Roman candles. There was Roman candles. There was Hurricane Helms and Gangrel. There was Hurricane Helms in two different forms. Because he got thrown into the Lake of Regeneration and became his reporter's self going mm -hmm. undercover. Mm -hmm. And then came back as, as Hurricane. It was very, very funny. Proud and Powerful were there. Private Party were there. <laughs> like, I can't even describe this match. I, I can tell you what happens. Um, it ended with uh, Rebby playing piano. Yeah. <laughs> yes, was... that was the final shot. I think of the deletion matches, it felt the cleanest and, like... That kind of took something away from it. Yeah, it's like, we he's done five of these now? It felt in a way that, like, you know, when he was fully broken, Matt, and he had to throw Brother Nero in the Lake of Resurrection and hit under the dilapidated boat and everything like that, like... I was waiting for a boat to show up. There was a boat. There was a dilapidated boat in this. Oh, yeah, it was a throwaway joke, right? Uh-huh. Um... But, okay, so, like, the thing the thing is, um, this felt, I mean, like, it was filmed during the daytime, right? No, it was that, it was, it was just well lit. It yeah, was too they had a lot of lighting around. That's what it was. It was too well lit for a deletion match, and it felt it. too clean as a result. This wasn't a, uh, a Camp Leap Frog match? <laughs> it wasn't, like, it, like, that, so, like, part of what made the the other deletion matches fun was the fact that they were like kind of muddy the lighting was very muddy it felt a little amateurish in a way that or um it felt a little bit more horror movie right like you know how like there's horror lighting when you're like running from a monster in the woods and it's okay with the like, shaky cam shaky and cam the... muddy yeah. lighting everything like that that this didn't have yeah that's what it was missing. Yeah, it's like they gave him a budget and, the, and he spent the whole thing properly <laughs> instead of on toys. Mm -hmm. Which, like, it, it, I mean, it was so fun. I'm not going to, you know. No, not... no, definitely not. It, it was an amazing match. I love the story they told through the whole thing. I like the Gangrel cameo. 
I like that Tony Khan had to have paid Gangrel. Yep. <laughs> to go to North Carolina to Yeah. I I, I do really love Okay, so I love like the behind the scenes stuff they did on Sammy's vlog, mm-hmm. where they're showing off the golf cart for the first time, and Sammy after the match walking around the compound and he finds the broken golf cart. He's like, ah, shit. Or um, Santana tweeting after the match, two Puerto Ricans and a vampire lost in the woods trying to find our friend. <sighs> shit. <laughs> Very funny. Funny. <laughs> It was fun. Like, again, if it had felt less properly produced, I think it would have had a bit more of that je ne sais quoi that makes yeah. the the deletion matches as fun as they are. Yeah. But yeah, no. Hurricane and Gangrel in AEW. I will never complain about that. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised. So our next match was... Le Champion, or sorry, Le, Ch- Le Champion, if you want to say it like every person on AEW that isn't Chris Jericho. Nice champion. <laughs> you think they, he, you think with the amount of times he he said Le Champion, they'd get it right? Yeah, they'd pick it up eventually. But no, apparently just nobody wants to learn two French words. <laughs> He's not in the champion anymore, so it doesn't really matter. He will always be the first champion, though. That's why he gets to be Le Champion. That's fair. And if he happens to get infected by a cordyceps, he becomes Le Champignon. So yeah, Chris Jericho and MJF in what I knew would be a technically good match. And I predicted... MJF for it just out of morbid curiosity mm-hmm. to see what they would do. And they followed my lead on this. Oh, the end <laughs> for this match was incredible. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just remembering like how it was oh my god. <laughs> so like the the actual wrestling, yeah, it was fine. But then they try to out-cheat each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, the finish was just so, so funny. Because, like, they try to do the dynamite diamond ring thing, right? They're, okay, I'm blanking because I'm overhydrated and a little hyper. Can you talk me through this ending, Aaron? Oh, God, I have to remember the ending then. I'm yeah, just no, pulling I, off memory. I, I know that, like, okay, so they try to do the dynamite diamond ring thing. Aubrey catches them. Or whomever is refing. I forget who is refing. It was Aubrey because she looked disgusted regardless who she counted for. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, they, they did the Eddie. Right, right. So Wardlow gives Max the ring. Hager tosses Floyd to Jericho. Aubrey is yelling at Wardlow. Mm-hmm. And Max does, like, a camera take and winks and then pancakes himself while Jericho's holding the bat. Yep, he's got Floyd in hand. Which was very good. And, and then, I believe he went for a roll-up after that. Mm-hmm. Jericho's shocked. Max goes for the roll-up and gets the three. 
Um, now, I, I've heard people say that this finish was a little similar to something from, like, the G1 Climax. Uh, I mean, it's similar to a lot of old Eddie matches. It's, it's similar to anyone who's done tribute to this bit, so... That's it's fair. Not, it not... It just shows up every, every once in a while. I think it was very well pulled off. It was very much a fitting tribute. Absolutely. You know, and it, like, it didn't, it wasn't bad. I'm not trying to say it's bad. I had, yeah. I, I laughed so hard at that ending. Like, it was. <laughs> no, we all loved watching it. It was somehow, somehow a match between two guys that are so easy to hate ended up with me happy at the end. Yep. And that's the problem with trying to book heel versus heel is you have to keep people invested in it mm -hmm. when they hate everyone involved and someone has to try and play face. Right. And like so in this case, Jericho was more the face than MJF, which to be expected. Right. Cause MJF's way more, Jericho's like selfish, a little bit of an asshole and a Trump supporter. Yeah. But that's a Christopher Irvine thing. F fuck that guy and fuck Jericho. You know, yeah. it's all kayfabe, but it's not. Everything is fake, but everything is still real. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it, it worked well. Um, it was good to see Jericho lose twice in as many weeks. Yeah. But yeah, a Aubrey at the end was a real shining light for me. Mm-hmm. Like, she was a little confused looking, going for the three count. <laughs> and then afterwards, they were, like, hugging and everything, and she just cut looked grossed out. <laughs> the names um, are made up, but the books still matter. <laughs> Thank you, Aitsu. So then our final match on the card was the World Championship I Quit match. Yes. The one with the amazing lead-up. I think this is the match that I ended up actually looking forward to the most, despite mm -hmm. the fact that the lead-up came kind of like a little out of nowhere. The final stretch. The final so, stretch. It, it was like a slow build that... Ex they took a lot of scenic routes to get there. Right. It's like... It, it worked well, though, like, in, in a lot of ways, and I'm happy with how it went. God, I wanted Eddie Kingston to win. Yeah, I I would have liked to see it. I think someday we will see Eddie Kingston with the AEW title. Mm -hmm. the, the world's title. The, the world's championship. <laughs> My favorite. There's a lot of things that I love about Eddie Kingston. But the fact that he insists on calling it the world's championship. Yeah. <laughs> It's just such a very Eddie Kingston thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know when he made that decision, but it's just such a fucking weird thing, and it's so funny. Yeah. Also, the way he says, my mother. <laughs> I just, I love Eddie Kingston. And if you followed me on Twitter, you saw a very cursed meme I posted, posted about Eddie Kingston yesterday. Ugh. <laughs> yep. Yep, that, that's a thing. But, Aaron, am I just like, am I just kind of a little bit like high on enjoyment right now? Possibly. 
Maybe. I, I think we're just maybe hyper fixing on wrestling right now for you. Yeah, I guess I'm just like full of dopamine. Mm -hmm. And it's a weird feeling because ADHD brain doesn't work normal. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, this match was as hard as they promised it would be. There was thumbtacks and chairs and barbed wire and bats mm -hmm. and all the stuff that makes me squirm and Cat Eddie, enjoys. Eddie Kingston wrapping barbed wire around his hand so he can punch Mox a little better. Oh gosh, yeah, no, that was a thing. I uh, the, the thumbtacks that he put out and dropped Mox onto, and then got You've rubbing got a... alcohol. Okay, the rubbing alcohol would sting, but that one's... That's probably the least brutal part of the match, is the rubbing yeah. alcohol. It's gonna hurt like a bitch, but at least you won't get infected. So, here's the thing with that, is, you know, getting hit with chairs, falling on thumbtacks, barbed all that stuff people don't really understand. Right. People don't normally get that. We've all had to use rubbing alcohol on, on a an open. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. So we all understand that one pretty clearly. Uh, Producer Aitsu has said the bulldog choke with the barbed wire was a phenomenal finish. Yeah. It f oh god, my heart broke for Eddie Kingston when he when he had I, to say when I he quit. had to say I quit. Yeah, but and he had to be clear about it. But <sighs> gosh, what Ew. a way to go down. <laughs> Oh, it was so painful, though. And it's like, that, that hurt Mox to do, you could see in here, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And now Eddie's not the world's champion. He's not. Thumbtacks make you squirm because they... Yeah, the, uh, okay, I, 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 I can see that. Barbed wire being a little bit less brutal than thumbtacks. Barbed yeah. wire doesn't get stuck in your skin like thumbtacks do. No... It's like, yeah, it, so going back to what I said, it's like, yeah, thumbtacks, we've all stepped on a thumbtack. Not many people get hit by a bat. Not many people go through barbed wire. Not many people get hit with a steel chair. So we understand what thumbtacks and rubbing alcohol feels like, though. Yeah. I so th that gets a little bit deeper into the human psyche when doing these kinds of things. I've... I don't know, maybe I just have really thick skin on my feet, but I've stepped on a thumbtack and not even blood. Oh, so have I. It still okay. hurt like hell. <laughs> not really. It hurt me like hell. Ow. I'm a wimp. I... Hmm. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this was like nearly 20 minutes of just pure violence. Mm-hmm. And... It was a heartbreaking finish. For everyone involved. Because Bryce was roughing this one too. Yeah, Bryce has and a... Bryce knows Kingston. Yeah, Bryce has a well. very long history with Eddie Kingston. Because, um, you know, Bryce being the head referee of Chikara for a very long time, worked with Eddie Kingston when he was Chikara Grand Champion. Mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston and Chikara, is, as much as I hate recommending things that might give Chikara more money. The product they put out was exceptional because the talent that believed in what they were doing was exceptional. Mm -hmm. 
and like Eddie Kingston's stint in Chikora was incredible and worth watching still. Yep. Just uh, Yeah, it's just it's marked. It's it's definitely marred by the fact that you know. Okay, do we want to talk about dynamite? Do we want to talk about dark? Want to go into I think we should really go into the Eddie stuff on Dynamite because that kind of like wraps up where we're at this week. Okay, yeah, and then we'll just talk briefly about the like exciting stuff from Dynamite and Dark that we mostly leave. <laughs> mostly leave, yeah. So yeah, we got a little bit of coming out from Full Gear on this week's Dynamite where. Penta and Phoenix had a rematch mm-hmm. after their one a couple weeks ago that Phoenix won, but was fortunately injured during. And for this, Kingston was out on commentary. And it was uncomfortable with him on commentary. Yeah. It's like, when we say you start thinking that Eddie is 100% genuine out there, this is where it really shows because he's out there arguing with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, even Excalibur, who, again, he's known for years and years right. for wrestling. And he's just picking all these petty little fights over everything. Right, it's like, you know, this, it, in, in, it's, bleh. it's well played because you can sense that after that I quit match, Every single insecurity that Eddie Kingston had about himself came true. Yeah. And right now he's just... Just trying to scrape by and prove himself. Yeah, he's trying to hold on to that last little... Whatever little shred he has. And that's his family. Yep. Which... (laughs) Funny enough... Yeah, so... Penta and Phoenix were having their match. They had a great modern lucha match. Yes. Through this. Oh my god, this match was so good and so I hard to watch. I a part that I didn't for this one. Yeah, so, okay, I'm fine with people getting rubbing alcohol poured on thumbtack wounds. I'm fine with people getting hit with barbed wire. I'm fine with blowing glass into people's face. I'm fine with some... <laughs> Danny Tremont having a fucking light tube stuck in his head and walking around with a fucking light tube off of his head like he's fucking Enjin from Crash Bandicoot. I feel like Artex is me. Julian, I am your father. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I can't. um, I'm fine with all of that weird stuff. What makes me very uncomfortable is when Luchador's masks get ripped and you see their face. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. It it feels like it I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to be seeing. Like yeah. you're getting a glimpse of Clark Kent behind Superman. <laughs> it feels more intimate than that. Like it it feels like the kind of uncomfortable you get when, like, you know, someone accidentally 
like there's a wardrobe malfunction and you see someone's privates so it's like yeah oh no i just saw this guy's dick by accident oh that's uncomfortable okay. <laughs> now me watching so much lucha libre over the years like i'm used to that just being a story point at right now right i mean like <laughs> which is it's such a funny juxtaposition for me it just if you know i guess for all of the like you know kayfabe is dead nothing's real talk the one thing that like still like weirdly matters to me is the tradition of the luchador mask and mm -hmm. like how important that mask is and what it symbolizes and everything like that and like that still gets me mm -hmm. i still like it still matters to me damn it it still matters to me it's still real the cat which is, is fair because that tradition is very much alive still so it's, it's like one of those things that makes wrestling cool is like you know that it's like that time in the spider-man movies with toby Maguire when his mask comes off when he's trying to save the train full of new yorkers from doc ock mm -hmm. i think it's doc ock yeah and they're like don't worry spider-man we won't tell nobody <laughs> it's that it's that Mm -hmm. like, it's okay Phoenix it's okay Penta we won't tell anybody but yeah I'm just so used to seeing the mask grip spot as a story point in in a feud that's like yeah I, I come to kind of expect it you know it's, it's like it's like I expect a heel to cheat I expect in literally Ray the heel to go for the mask mm-hmm now that being said, um, hey AEW, make it a DQ to take off the literal doors mask, please. Yeah, no, that I think that's that's something that every promotion should have is, you know, it's a it's a match DQ if you take a guy's mask off unless it's yep. a lucha de apuesta. You know, you know what's gonna happen if I pull down some guy's trunks? I'll probably get DQ'd. <laughs> unless it's Michael Nakazawa. That's a whole different situation. That's part of his strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I like how well Tony Schiavone sold how like dire it was that they ripped each other's masks. Yeah. In uh, to quote Eddie Kingston, an exhibitionary match. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this was even more of a hard match than the last one they had, and they went just as fast. Yeah. Um, Penta ends up winning. Yep. Eddie congratulates him with the ring. It kicks Phoenix out of the ring. Like, just... Yep. Like, dusting the dirt off of his shoes kind of kicks. Yeah, he's so happy for his best friend, but not his best friend's brother. Right. But then, someone's had enough of that crap. Someone with history with the Lucha Bros. Someone with large Dobby-esque ears. <laughs> Damn it, cat. <laughs> it's Pac. Pac is back. Yes. Yeah, Pac comes back. Um, Kingston wasn't cleared to wrestle. So, like, immediately the ring fills with referees and officials to keep them separated because mm -hmm. 
they can't actually touch because Kingston isn't isn't uh, cleared for it. But they they had a stood up like you wouldn't believe though. Right. So Triangulo de Muerte is coming back. So what they've got going on now with the fact that um, Ali came back and is now the bunny again with the butcher mm -hmm. and the blade. They've kind of got this thing simmering for Eddie Kingston where Pac comes and takes away the Lucha Bros. Yeah. And then Bunny can come and take away Butcher and the Blade. And then Eddie Kingston's got no one. Yeah. Right, so this is kind of speaking to that idea that, you know, Eddie Kingston's got to hit rock bottom. And this is... He's losing his family. He's losing. He lost his one title shot that he's had in eighteen years. One time he's had the chance to be the world's champion, mm -hmm. and you know can't seal the deal. Can't keep his family together. What can he do? So we have to see where that goes. But I'm excited for what the future holds for Eddie Kingston in terms of just how. They can take someone who is, I suppose, a heel and put together, like, a real heart-wrenching story. Because, like, it works well for Hangman because you want yeah, Hangman to be successful because he's you, the good guy. You want to overcome his demons. Right. Eddie Kingston being a heel more embodies his demons. Eddie Kingston almost, in a sense, is nothing without his demons. Yeah. Hangman's held back by his demons. Yeah. It's, like, very interesting for how we have, you know, how how you can take what is effectively a very similar story, run it two different ways, and have, like, two completely different emotional responses to those stories, two completely different, like, reactions, two yeah. completely different methodologies of telling the same story. Which is why you can tell the same story in wrestling, because at the end of the day, there are variables that are different every single time. And, you know, nothing's real, so. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so looking forward to seeing this play out even more. Uh, next week, we have Pac and the Blade, so we're just going to run right into that storyline. Yeah, let's I'm excited. To see what happens. I'm also looking forward to... Having Pac wrestle again. Yeah, it's been eight months. It's been a long eight months. Yep. Okay, do we want to talk about uh, the one match from Dark that we got excited about? Yeah. So on Dark, we had Leva Bates, the librarian, taking on... Where is it? Danny Jordan. I couldn't remember his name. Burn book. Name. Yeah, the burn book lady. And the mean girls persona. And Leva has her own theme music now. Right. Because Peter is no longer the librarian, Peter Avalon. Yeah, Leva is the only librarian at AEW now. Which is good. I think she embodies that role a lot better. Yeah, Peter's gone back to being pretty P Peter Avalon. Having dinner in Elevators. elevators. This is a private elevator. <laughs> <sighs> I do really love watching Peter work. He is 
so wonderful. But yeah, we haven't seen Leva wrestle since since the uh, Battle Royal she was in, I think. Yeah, and even then, in singles competition, I think she's just like 0-1. Yeah. They haven't had her wrestle a lot. Yeah, her win came from tagging with Nala Rose. Mm-hmm. And she never got tagged in. <laughs> yeah, in 2020, she's... At least in 2020, she's 0-1 in singles. Yeah. Where it was. Now she should be 1-1. One one. She's 1-1. One one. So now Peter is the only winless person in AEW. Except for Lee Johnson. Oh, Lee Johnson. <laughs> I'm sure there's other people too, but... Yeah. Of the actual signed people, yeah, I think Peter's the only one without a win still. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll get eventually. Maybe. I don't know. Leva. Leva? Leva. Oh, has the captain Sean Dean gotten a win yet? Sean, I don't think Sean Dean has. He was in the Navy. <laughs> that was his win. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, Leva came out for a match on this and looked, I'd say probably 90%. Of what, I'm, when yeah, she no, was I'm... like full time. I'm so happy about it. So, um, yeah, that's that's AEW for the week. Um, Aaron, we've been going for almost two hours. Oh, gee. yeah, as we kind of tend to do. Do we want to just skip forward to talking about the Delina Vega situation? Yeah, I think we should definitely dedicate a proper amount of time to that. That works for me. So, um, today, within 10 minutes. Right before we went live, actually. Yeah. Zelina Vega tweeted out, I support unionization. 10 minutes later, WWE said that she was fired. Mm hmm. 10 minutes. Almost to the dot. So, yeah. WWE's never been quiet in their stance on unionization and workers' rights or workers' basic humanity. Nope. But, uh, yeah. That, this is our bullshit of the week. That's a way to say it. Either way, I, it's, I, I kind of like, okay, this is, maybe this is just me, but for me. I think that Zelina Vega has been trying to get fired for a while now. Possibly. She did start an OnlyFans right after they said you're not allowed to have outside social media. <laughs> you know? She had retweeted Paige when Paige had talked about learning about unionization. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, what do you even say with this company at this point? You just, you, mm. I think you just, it's, in all honesty, I just don't think there's any reasonable way you could support WWE. No. At this point, you, you have to willingly acknowledge that you are supporting an organization that is, I mean, it's a capitalist company. They're Trump supporters as a family. 
Yep. I they they lost my support a long time ago, but at this point, like, if 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 you haven't already realized that WWE is a vile company, and that you have to, at some level, accept that these are terrible people. You you have to accept a little bit of responsibility for continuing to support the product in saying compli- you're complicit in the horrible things they do by continuing to support them. Yeah. And it's just, end of the day, that's what it is. And it's like, this is a company that, you know, fires a ton of their roster during a pandemic when they're projected to make record profits if they don't do anything. If mm-hmm. they just if they just don't put out any shows this year, they would have made record profits. This is a company that calls their employees independent contractors, but gives them no benefit of that title. Right, they don't get to own the right. Like that's that's the thing. Like either it it's just. At a certain point, WWE will have to stop performing in California because they're violating so many laws by continuing to call people independent contractors while also owning their likeness, owning the rights to their likeness, owning the rights to income outside of the income made working for WWE. You can't tell me that that is a 1099 contractor. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I... I signed an exclusivity contract with Twitch when I became an affiliate. There's certain exclusivity with my live streams that have to happen with Twitch when I stream. I can't, like, stream on two platforms if I'm streaming on Twitch. But I can still stream on other platforms. I just can't stream on both at the same time. Yep. There's these little things that, like, you know, just don't add up to being an independent contractor when so much of your life is controlled by the WWE. Uh, If Andrew Yang is made a cabinet member as part of the Labor Department, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'd prefer someone far more left than Andrew Yang be a Department of Labor representative for the United States. We'll see how that goes. I don't he have... is very passionate about this this case. one particular topic, yeah, and that could bleed over into other things. So, possibly, hopefully, I don't know. Um, also, while we're here, hey Twitch, what the fuck? It's just unconscionable how they've passed the buck on DMCA for so long given no recourse when something gets copyright striked and then just started out right now banning people for spoken audio. Like, if I if I happen to whisper a little bit too close to some, like, fucking heart chakra mantra from 1963, boop, we're banned. Like, Twitch has effectively killed their own platform and I am fine with it. I hope it burns. WWE could go the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, WWE is so anti-worker 
that I'm amazed they even offer what they do in terms of pay for some people. Some people some people. see benefit out, out of working here. The most of them are paid a living wage, but have to pay for their own travel, have to pay their own medical. Right. You have to pay US. your own travel while you are required to go, previously, while you were required to go to house shows. Mm-hmm. So you had to like zip, zap, zoop, zop, zoop all over the fucking country on your own dime. Actually, that came up today. Um, I don't, I didn't look up the conversion rate, so I, I'm not sure what it is in like Canadian. Um, but yeah, the starting price for a WWE worker is 60000 a year. I make more than that. Okay. Now I know. <laughs> I don't know what, what that would work out to Canadian, but yeah, uh, so, so in that 60000 so it, it works out to like 85000 Canadian. Okay. So a lot more than I make either way. <laughs> um, but yeah, but in that, that's that's your wage. You have to pay your own travel out of that. You have to pay your own medical out of that. You have to pay any other expenses out of that. And do you at least get can... catering at shows? Uh, yeah. There's like late night catering. You know, there's some mac and cheese and sandwiches. I guess it's it's nothing good for you. It's nothing that the diet and regiment of a WWE superstar would require but what other things do you have to pay for quick so i can get to five <laughs> just every you have no way of supplementing that you have no way of of using your own image that you build up through your own work because fuck knows they won't push you yeah it's bad so fuck wwe fuck twitch um real quick though bit of exciting news Sasha Banks was in The Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, was your stuff good? Oh, it was so good. I this this week's episode of The Mandalorian was hype as shit. God, <laughs> um, <laughs> your last day was Rose. Yep. <laughs> not anymore, because they own that again. Yeah. It cost them a couple pay-per-view show titles, but whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Sasha's part on The Mandalorian was amazing. This week's episode of The Mandalorian, fantastic. Irony of ironies, I'm suggesting watching a Disney property immediately well, after rant. ranting about Twitch and the WWE for being horrible capitalist bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say too much. I've been watching Gravity Falls all week, so. You know. Yeah, Gravity Falls is so good, though. <laughs> Yeah, the situation with WWE is so dire and out of date and out of touch that I feel bad for the people employed there that have to go along with the stupidity. And like that's this is that's the other thing. Okay, here's the other thing, right? They're gonna fire Zelina Vega, mm -hmm. but they still have Velveteen Dream on the roster, and he's still getting yep. a push. Yep. Like, you can you can be a sexual predator, just don't talk about a union. I'm surprised they haven't hired Joey Ryan yet. 
No, he's... Didn't he pivot to being, like, a fucking... Christian Minecraft server or something like that? He's as much a Christian as McMahon claims to be. It, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, I think, like, he pivoted to being, like, a Christian motivational speaker for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't blocked him yet, and I don't fucking care beyond that. Um, I found out recently that, uh, speaking of scumbags, Quack is back teaching people at WrestleFactory. Uh, so, oh, good for you, Sonny <laughs> Defarge. You really kept that company in good hands. Yeah. Okay. Can I make a recommendation of, of someone who's not a piece of shit? Please. <laughs> so for my recommendation this week, I'm actually going to throw you all to an actual channel. Oh. This is the YouTube channel of Tyson Dukes. Tyson is an Ontario-based pro wrestler who's done work. He's done, like, jobber work in WWE. He's done better work in Impact. He's been around the world wrestling. And he's just one of those guys that never got grabbed up. There's always someone in front of him in line. But he's been posting up on his YouTube page, uh, Wrestling Explanations. It's really good. He's got he's got a, a podcast on there, too, that I haven't listened to, so I'm not going to recommend that because I haven't listened to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, he is, he's a full instructor and he goes over like how to do these moves and it's really cool seeing it broken down and executed. Mm -hmm. Also, go find some Tyson Dukes matches. He, he's just great. I I once saw him wrestle three matches in a night <laughs> for the same card. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, those are always rough ones. Like, I mean, like just thinking about the time in Chikara when Chuck Taylor had to wrestle as Chuck Taylor and Mr. Azerbaijan. Yeah. Yeah, I think they just had maybe a couple people who couldn't make the show. Because he was on the pre-show doing a dark match with one of the students. He was in, like, the curtain opener. And he was in the main event. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Oh, can't continue that phrase. Otherwise, we'll get copyright striked. <laughs> Emma is awake. Emma, good morning. Should we go see Emma then? Go bug her? Yeah, probably. I don't have much else to talk about then. If no, you're if you're good, okay. I'm good. I'm weirdly hyper. Oh, uh, the mass wrestler this week was Skid was revealed to be Josh Bishop. I didn't know who he was. He seems to be a hardcore guy, so of course I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh Emma Emma is playing the role of Tisiphone tonight. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> Go play Hades if you haven't. Have fun. I end the show the way that we usually do, which is my Kenny Omega impression. So, as we say at the end of every one of these shows, be gay. Mwah. And do crimes bang.
Marking Out with My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Yes, Chunt the Talking Badger. Chunt with six T's at gmail.com. If you want to email Chunt. <laughs> this is a, this is a, um, oh God. Hello from the Magic Tavern reference. That's why I don't get it. It's it's you it's don't a, want me to talk about that one. No, it's a it's a fun. Sh- I I like Hello from the Magic Tavern. I just haven't listened to it in a while. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time for non actual play podcasts. Although that one's like kind of an actual play. It's more of a LARP. It's a LARP, but. Um, how would you describe it, Erica? It's like a LARP, but it's it's an improv comedy LARP in a podcast. Yes, interesting. So the premise is that a regular human from Earth in twenty whatever got sucked into a magical portal behind a Burger King in Chicago and ended up in a mystical, magical, Narnia-esque land called Foon. Is this just a kid in King Arthur's court? Uh, No, because the main human character, Arnie, is completely inept. And hasn't ever left the tavern that he settled in immediately after landing there. Ah, okay. Um, so he just hangs out in a bar with a wizard and a talking badger who is actually a shapeshifter. And sometimes has more than one butt. The badger. I, I figured the badger, yeah. The way he shapeshifts is that he shapeshifts into the last thing he had sex with. Well, that was a good show. Um, See you all next week. (laughs) It's a funny show, Aaron. It's, but there's a lot of really talented people who go on that show. Um, And I'm not going to lie, that would be a dream to get on there. Okay, we'll start the uh, Twitter campaign tonight. We don't need to start a Twitter campaign. I'm not that good at improv yet. <laughs> well, get better fast. <laughs> we'll go start that. <laughs> hashtag have... get cat on Magical Tavern. Use that. Use that exact hashtag. <laughs>